Before we start, we want to share something with you and then ask you a question. What we wanted to share is a book we have been reading while writing the remainder of our episodes. It's called The Greenhouse Approach by Chitra Anand, and we highly recommend the read. The author covers many points we have already made on this show, even the telephone game we mentioned back in episode 27. Here's a quote we wanted to share with you that illustrates the point we will be making in this episode. The speed of globalization and its consequent effects, effects we have outlined in emphatic detail, are real. Silo thinking is not an option. Reading sources like this encourages us that we are on the correct path. Here's the question we wanted to ask you. Have you ever had a quick conversation with someone when they told you what they did for work and you had no idea that this job even existed? We certainly have, and we're willing to bet many of you have as well. We want you to keep that in mind as you listen to this episode. The start of our episode may annoy some listeners, and not due to my usual addition of lame jokes. We really want to drive a point home of just how much knowledge we have acquired as a species. Feel free to fast forward ahead if you get our point fairly quickly, but we're kind of hoping you won't even if you do get the point. It's rather humbling. We're going to start off by mentioning some of the fields and disciplines we have covered or mentioned in this show. These are all fields that have their own experts, see episode 22, and the reason we are choosing to present it in this format is because we are sincerely humbled by the sheer vastness of the amount of knowledge our species has amassed over the very short time we have been on this planet. Also, I'm going to say this list as quickly as possible, because why not? which means we're going to find out how quickly I have the ability to speak, although I'm certain many musicians and auctioneers could easily put me to shame. Here goes, a brief list of some of the expert fields so far covered on this show, and to get started, we'll throw on our ominous-sounding music. Zoology, geoengineering, seismology, hydrology, forestry, marine biology, electrical engineering and technology, ichthyology, atmospheric science, astronomy, physiology, geological science, climatology, international politics, automotive service, sociology, psychology, computer science, medical science, media studies, surgery, neuroscience, oceanography, nutrition, biology, cultural anthropology, ancient history, agriculture, musicology, nuclear physics, rocket science, construction, 20th century history, chemistry, computer science, journalism, Linguistics, Environmental Science, Paleotempestology, Paleontology, Patent Law, Economics, Ethics, Mathematics, Criminology, Waste Management, Photography, Education, Business Management, Environmental Law, Electromagnetism, Fusion Power, Energy Engineering and Management, Conservationism, Emergency Management, Artificial Intelligence, Networking Technology, Philosophy, Sales, Politics, Marketing, Evolution, Genetics, Kinesiology, Statistics, Automotive Engineering, Real Estate, Tax Law, Information Technology, Accounting, Strategic Management, Mechanical Engineering, Nanotechnology, Project Management, and Human Behavior. And something we want you to keep in mind is that many fields mentioned have a high amount of subfields. We mentioned chemistry, but here's a quick rundown on the subbranches or subfields of chemistry. Again, these subfields also often have their own experts. We pulled the list off Wikipedia, you can check it out for yourself under List of Academic Fields. 
Analytical chemistry, astrochemistry, atmospheric chemistry, biochemistry, chemical engineering, chemical biology, computational chemistry, cosmochemistry, electrochemistry, environmental chemistry, femtochemistry, flavor, flow chemistry, geochemistry, green chemistry, histochemistry, hydrogenation, immunochemistry, inorganic chemistry, marine chemistry, mathematical chemistry, medicinal chemistry, molecular biology, molecular mechanics, nanotechnology, natural product chemistry, neurochemistry, organic chemistry, petrochemistry, pharmacology, photochemistry, physical chemistry, polymer chemistry, radiochemistry, solid state chemistry, supramolecular chemistry, surface chemistry, synthetic chemistry, and theoretical chemistry. There's more, and chemistry is only one scientific discipline. There are many more subfields that exist for every major field of science and engineering. There exist thousands of academic fields and subfields. It may be time to admit that our well of knowledge might need to be upgraded to a sea of knowledge. During this upgrade, Carlos will navigate us up the intro. Welcome to Viable Underdogs, where we try and teach you cool things and hopefully encourage everyone to become a bit more sustainable. My name is John, the lateral thinking generalist, Carlos, is with me as well. This is episode 32. Today, we're attempting to drive the point home that as a species, we have too much knowledge for our current systems to handle. This is the reason no one has thought to combine management concepts with sustainability. We propose a new field of generalists who specialize in lateral thinking be created. This would likely prevent another situation like the sustainability crisis from occurring. If we go back to our analogy of comparing human acquired knowledge to a volume of water, then even with rudimentary maps and a compass, some of us would probably be able to navigate a large lake, even with not too much experience. But once you start getting to the scale of bodies of water like the Mediterranean Sea, you would likely want to hire a navigator if you're not that familiar with navigating. These days, there is too much knowledge for a typical person to even know where to start looking. And we need help navigating this sea of knowledge. So what exactly is lateral thinking, and how could it single-handedly solve global sustainability? As usual, we're going to use one of our trademarked, terrible analogies. Let's talk about the study of music. At its heart, music is basically strategic vibrations. If I start beating on a drum, or on my desk, I'm creating music. It's just not good music. It's out of tune. But a professional or even amateur musician is considered to be in tune. The music sounds pleasant to our ears. And this can be mathematically proven with the study of harmonics. An expert musician's brain is able to pick up even the slightest amount of unwanted musical vibrations. Unwanted sound waves. A musician's brain in music could be compared to various sophisticated equipment we humans utilize to study harmonics in other fields. This is done with mathematical functions like the Fourier series, named after physicist and mathematician Jean-Baptiste Joseph Fourier, who developed the function while studying heat transfer. In essence, the study of vibrations, or music, is the study of harmonics, and this principle crosses many fields. Electrical engineers and technologists utilize harmonics to eliminate unwanted electrical noise. Without these mathematical functions, 
our electric grid would not operate anywhere near as smoothly. We would probably be able to power lights and heat, but our electrical systems today are far more sophisticated than a century ago. Since we need to run more sophisticated technology, like whatever you're using to listen to this podcast right now. Automotive technicians and automotive engineers utilize harmonics to dampen or repair engine vibrations, otherwise known as noise vibration harshness or NVH. The big pulley at the front of an engine that turns the drive belt is called a harmonic balancer. Harmonics are also considered for many of the car's electrical systems. A typical modern car on the road has over 30 separate computer modules all operating on a sophisticated high-speed network. These systems often operate on a very low voltage, so any amount of electrical noise can be quite problematic. The fundamentals of harmonics extends into the study of light waves, radio waves, ocean tides and waves, earthquakes, and even gravity waves which, FYI, were finally detected and confirmed in 2016, winning Rainer Weiss, Kip Thorne, and Barry Barish the Nobel Prize. All of these fields used lateral thinking to apply the concept of harmonics, essentially music, to allow them to further the knowledge in that particular field. Now, even though this may come as news to many non-scientific fields and non-scientific listeners, It's not exactly news within the many fields and subfields of science. Where there are waves, there are harmonics. This style of lateral thinking is common among scientific subfields, just like business frameworks are common between various subfields of business. Let's look at another thing that has been applied laterally almost everywhere, algorithms. Everything from computers, video games, weather forecasting, economics, statistics, and many others. All of these fields utilize algorithms, and we could theoretically use the concept of algorithms to diagnose vehicles to some degree. Many technicians do this subconsciously. Vehicles are produced on an assembly line, meaning many common problems are accidentally also manufactured on the assembly line as well. Algorithms could be used to start predicting trends for common problems. Some websites and car forums already do this to some degree. It's risky though, because even if 10 to 20% of the vehicles have a specific problem, it still means that 80 to 90% of them don't. This can result in someone chasing after the wrong problem, particularly if they don't have enough knowledge on the subject to fully understand very nuanced or subtle differences. Kind of like how expert musicians can hear and pinpoint the source of minor harmonic differences. The differences themselves might be minor, but the consequences of these minor differences can make the difference between a good song and nails on a chalkboard. We're not trying to say that algorithms in automotive diagnostics would be beneficial for the general public, but it could provide another useful diagnostic tool for professional technicians. The onboard diagnostics often operate on similar principles already. Car manufacturers need to use math, statistics, and algorithms to determine how to launch recalls and service bulletins. Another example of lateral thinking. We had so much knowledge, even before the start of the 20th century, that we needed a way to organize our libraries using the Dewey Decimal System 
which Melvin Dewey created in 1876. Long before television and the internet, not to mention the advancements made in just about every field during the 20th century mass disruption. Dewey, you fool! Your decimal system has played right into my hands! So, what's our point? Well, let's look at a common problem in business and see how exactly it relates back to knowledge and academic fields. In the fields of business, the study of organizational structures is quite big. Large organizations are often plagued with bureaucratic inefficiency. This can often be traced back to the way the organization is structured. Different types of organizations benefit from different types of structures. A good example of a functional structure are military structures. Everyone within the military understands the chain of command. The functional structure is often used in businesses too. The president, or board, might have various presidents of various functions directly beneath them. A vice president for marketing, finance, production, research and development, human resources, etc. Then these respective vice presidents have a whole department of staff who answer exclusively to these vice presidents. The biggest disadvantage to this style of structure is the functional chimneys problem, or silo effect. Here's a definition of the functional chimneys problem from the textbook Management by Schermerhorn and Wright. The functional chimneys problem, or silo effect, creates a lack of communication, coordination, and problem solving across functions. When problems occur between functions, they are too often referred up to higher levels for resolution, rather than being addressed by people at the same level. This slows decision making and can harm organizational performance. What this means is that one department doesn't always cooperate and communicate with other departments since these departments don't tend to interact with each other and share ideas. This is because these structures are based on the foundation of the chain of command. We're not trying to suggest that one organizational structure is inherently better than another, but it's important to realize that every structure has pros and cons. The silo effect is a definite con of functional organizations. Some functions that have a lot of overlap, like sales and marketing, may share many of the same ideas. Much like different fields of science share ideas like harmonics. But the more these fields diverge, the less likely this is to happen. Engineering departments can start to argue with the accounting department if they don't agree on financial matters because neither field really understands what the other does. An accountant is not an engineer and vice versa. This is why the business field created structures like matrix organizations which allow for more communication and idea exchange between departments. So back to our collection of knowledge. We have a similar functional chimneys problem, or silo effect, occurring between academic fields. The sharing of knowledge between fields of science is still occurring, but it is already starting to slow down between fields that share common roots. If we turn back the Earth's clock to Leonardo da Vinci's time, when we still had a small pond of knowledge, it was not uncommon for academics to study more than one discipline. Da Vinci himself was knowledgeable in math, engineering, drawing, painting, history, cartography, architecture, geology, astronomy, and others. Knowledge was not as plentiful back then, 
so it was easier to be an expert in this many fields. This was a time before calculus and the Industrial Revolution, after all. In 2019, it can take over 10 years of dedicated study to be called an expert in just one single field. And the emergence of all the subfields have further compounded this siloing effect. And the more this effect is present, the greater the divide between major fields. You can even see this with the way we discuss field categories like STEM. It stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Maths. And business is not a part of that acronym, though it will probably be added in the near future. We are not the first ones to present this idea of the silo effect of knowledge. We will leave a link at the end of the episode, and as always, we encourage you to do more research. As with all newer ideas, however, it likely won't be without its critics. But if you are asking yourself why no one has made these connections before, well, globally, we don't exactly teach people to think this way in schools. Historically, people typically go to school to become specialists, not generalists. Although even this is slowly starting to change. Some universities are already offering programs that combine engineering and business. This makes sense. Who do you think started the fields of business? Scientists, engineers, and accountants. Vilfredo Pareto, 80-20 rule, engineer, see episode 24. Prisoner's Dilemma and Game Theory, Albert Tucker, mathematician, see episode 10. Kurt Lewin, change management, psychologist, see our upcoming change management episode. Business is a science, but it appears that the academic world is still slow to change their minds to the acceptance of this idea. Scientists are not experts in communication, nor are they experts in marketing and organizational structures. These are legitimate fields that are oftentimes not held in the same regard as other scientific fields. This is unfortunate and part of the reason why these connections have not been made before. Every field in science should have some experts learning the basics of business management. This is already starting on its own, just very slowly. See adoption curves in episode 24 and 31. As well, many businesses need to integrate strategies from other fields, such as how the oil company, BP, should have deferred to the expertise of crisis managers and crisis communicators. See episode 31 again. We highly suggest the creation of a new field of lateral thinkers so that problems in our fast-changing world can quickly be identified and solved using many solutions that already exist. Globally, our systems work, but they are in need of periodic updating to keep up with our changing world. No different than if your computer was still running on Windows 95 with dial-up. Good times. We need a field of experts who specialize as generalists. These generalists would have three main jobs. 
Number one, translating complicated concepts and simplifying them for the general public. Number two, identifying ideas from one field that may be beneficial to another field, otherwise known as lateral thinking. Number three, ensure that all the info is the most up to date. Even the business textbook we have used several times on this show has dated information, but we used a book with dated information intentionally. We are proposing, quote, new ideas with proven processes that have existed now for decades. If these concepts are unfamiliar to you, we encourage you to pick up any business book written in the last 20 years. Many of these concepts will still be there. So if anyone asks you why the world needs a field of generalists who exclusively deal with lateral thinking and helping others navigate the sea of knowledge, please send them to us. The state of the sustainability crisis is proof that this field of professionals does not exist. Just in case anyone wants to say, well, we already have people who do that, look at X or look at Y. If this is the response, then something needs to be reevaluated. Because these sustainability issues could have been addressed much earlier if people had been actively looking for it. This field of generalists would help specialists navigate the sea of knowledge for sources on ideas. How other fields may already have come up with ideas and solutions that this field may benefit from. This would in turn hopefully prevent future problems on the same ridiculous scale of sustainability from ever occurring again. Earth, we leave this problem in your hands to come up with a solution. But the reason we have mentioned YouTube channels and resources like Crash Course, SciShow, and Khan Academy is exactly for this reason. Because anyone listening to this podcast currently has access to the largest volume of knowledge ever acquired. Each one of you currently has access to information that Einstein, Newton, and Pythagoras sure didn't. Statistically, there's a good chance the next Einstein will be born in India or China, since over a third of our global population lives in these two countries. Everyone has the potential for great ideas. That's what the 20th century showed. And all of you can become lateral thinkers. Really, we'll probably need you to, because the more sustainability concepts we can apply simultaneously, the better. And we will be asking all of our listeners for those ideas. As we have stated many times, we do not claim to be experts in most fields, but we encourage experts to review all of our info. We are pretty confident that it is mostly correct, but you have to admit, this podcast covers many fields in some amount of detail. We here at Viable Underdogs are not specialists. We are generalists. We typically know where to locate the information we are looking for. We are experts in navigating the sea of knowledge and applying lateral thinking. This is the only thing we claim to be experts in. These days, with the overwhelming amount of knowledge present in our world, the true question is not to ask who among us is the most intelligent, but to ask who among us is the least dumb. Cheers. Thanks for listening. As always, please share and forward this podcast. The first step towards realistic sustainability is in knowledge and discussion. And this can't happen without everyone's input. Please send any questions, comments, or funny TV quotes to viableunderdogs at gmail.com. 
Our intro music is composed by Mark Kronowski and the music currently playing by Jonathan Atkinson. One source of info that some listeners may have forgotten about or are unaware of are libraries and librarians. We love the internet, but there is a reason libraries are still around. Some of that info is hard to come by anywhere else. More info on the silo effect of knowledge can be found at theguardian.com. The article is called, Disciplinary Dilemma, Working Across Research Silos is Harder Than It Looks, published on June 11, 2014 by Andy Sterling. The second article is called, Generalize, Don't Specialize, Why Focusing Too Narrowly is Bad for Us, published on July 12, 2019 by David Epstein. The textbook Management was written by John Shermerhorn Jr. and Barry Wright. This is the third edition. And even if you only have basic math skills, like addition, we encourage you to check out the book called Problem Solved, The Great Breakthroughs in Mathematics, written by Robert Snowden in 2018. In it, you can learn about the history of math on Earth, starting back in caveman days, all the way to the Fourier series and harmonics mentioned in the show. And there's pretty much no actual math. That's why it's a great read, even if your math grades are about as good as ours. Last, as we mentioned in the episode, the book The Greenhouse Approach is a solid read, written by Chitra Anand in 2019. The big brain am winning again! I am the greedest! Now I am leaving Earth for no reason!